The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape on the W2M Network with The Kickoff, episode 5 of season two, regular season edition. And this is the Keenan and Cal episode of the kickoff. For those of you wondering what that means, I'm basically running on nothing but Mike Ikes and orange soda. Who loves orange soda? Harry loves orange soda. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host, Brandon Biscabing. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. May I take your order? Can I take your order? Fine. Yeah. Don't butcher the line, Brandon. <laughs> the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. To throw it to another 90s Nickelodeon show, and to quote Crumb from Ah Real Monsters, I think I need a new plan. <laughs> and the chairman of the W2M Network, Jason Teasley. That's me. See if you got that reference. Um, that's different network. Good show, though, no, but... No, it was Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah, I was wasn't think... that part of all that? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I was thinking you were doing... It was Amanda the... Bynes. Okay. Oh, yes, now before, I get it. Before she lost her damn mind. I, I was thinking you were doing the Butters song from South Park. I feel like... I feel like Amanda Bynes went crazy and kind of set the precedent for Lindsay Lohan. And every subsequent Nickelodeon teen star. Well, not so much Nickelodeon. (laughs) Not so much Nickelodeon, more so Disney. Yeah, true. true. Because let's be honest, I would pick either one of them out of bed. Likewise, and I could say the same for most of the Disney chicks as well. Hello, Vanessa. The Dixie chicks or the Disney chicks? (laughs) The Disney chicks. Although the the Dixie chicks could probably get it too. Yeah. We are completely off the rails, and the show hasn't even started yet. Ladies and, and gentlemen, it's not my fault this time. <laughs> I will 100% shoulder the blame for this one. This is Studs and Duds. Eric? Now, with my stud, when you have a guy that's done something for their team that hasn't been done in almost a decade... And really carrying the load for when somewhat tragic instances happen to their main players. I'll elaborate on this later. You just about, no matter what happens, earn my honor for being my stud. As much as it pains me in this case, with a passion and a vengeance. And I'm probably going to need a shower after I say this. The first Clemson player since 09 to run for 200 yards and three scores, Travis Etienne. I still may not like you, but for this week, you are my stud. I don't have to like you to respect you. No. Brandon, stud. Um, and I, I, I will I will open this up, although, I mean, anyone with half a brain would take this person as a stud, regardless. But I have a special place in my heart for this man, because in the fantasy football, or in the W2M Net wrestling staff uh, fantasy football league, 
I decided to pick him up off of the waivers because Cam Newton was on a bye, so I needed another quarterback. And this man proceeds to go for 465 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions. I think he got about 44. I don't have the exact number for fantasy points for me for this week, but somewhere in the four, high 30s, low 40s range. That man would be Jared Goff. Thank you, Jared Goff. You were a great pickup, and I salute you. Somebody want to tell me how Goff was a free agent in that league? I'm in that league. How did that happen? <laughs> because you guys don't pay attention. Actually, I think that's the one I'm in second place in. Fair enough. Ah, suck it, Bisco. Jason, stud, hit me. Huh. Well, um, I'm just kind of still kind of figuring out how we went to di- the Disney chicks and the Dixie chicks. Now we're talking about studs, so um, that still has me kind of kind of off center here. But my it stud makes, of the week. If it makes you feel better, I can tell you about my shenanigans that I have set up for tomorrow <laughs> and potentially Saturday. Your stories never make me feel better, Eric. But anyway. <laughs> The studs that I have, the stud that I have is somebody that nobody was given a chance. Everybody had put him by the wayside. And not only did he throw six touchdowns in a game, which is a Bears franchise record, but he went for 354 yards and he led the team in rushing. Yes. Trubisky, you are my stud. Hashtag Trubisky channeling his inner Sid frickin' Luckman. <laughs> and yes, it's a Bears modern day record as Luckman threw seven in a game, but that was back in the 40s. Let, let me just go back real quick. I actually underestimated Goff. He got 55.3 fantasy points for me last week. Yeah, I just looked that number up myself to give you an actual total. But now you've already announced it, so I guess I just wasted my time. <laughs> Thanks, appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm going to be the I'm going to be the voice along with Eric here, sticking to the college game here. You guys remember my little rant last week about people not supporting the Pac-12, mm-hmm. not staying oh, up no. and watching games. No, I don't remember half the things anybody says <laughs> on this podcast. That's that's fair. 16 of 22, 225 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions for a quarterback rating of 94.5. Six carries, 31 yards, zero turnovers in a 42 to 24 win over previously undefeated Cal. My stud for the week is Oregon quarterback and the man that everybody has been sleeping on for the Heisman Trophy thus far this year, Justin Herbert. Not sleep. We're sleeping on him for the Heisman, but there's starting to be more and more talk about his draft stock. Eric Dud. I kind of predicted how this team would go their first three games, either one and two or two and one. Too talented to go zero and three. Not talented enough for a sweep. They proved me right, going 2-1. and one. Then they kind of scared me a little bit, and then they outright shocked and angered me. While Truth Fisky 
was going ahead and having a day, finally showing what Matt Nagy's offense can do. Fitz Tragic and the entire Buccaneers team went out and basically said, you know what, whatever, this is the Bears, what does this really matter? 35 to 3 ended 48 to 10. And I'm not even going to give Fitz Tragic all of the blame here. That for that performance, the entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, you are my dud. Cutter was right. Everybody should be fired. I'm just going to state for the record that when one of the bottom 10 quarterbacks in the league last year has as many touchdown passes against you as Mitch Trubisky did against Tampa Bay, Dirk Cutter is right. Everybody, including Dirk Cutter, needs to be fired. Agreed. <laughs> Brandon, dud. My dud, they they started off well. And, and this actually kind of segues into a conversation we had last week about our college buy or sell about rankings and when they should start. Mississippi State starts off ranked, starts off winning three games, and then starts their uh, SEC season by laying two goose eggs against two teams that were supposed to be in the middle of the pack in the SEC. Okay, to be fair, though, those two teams are now both ranked themselves. Well, let's not not get into that. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses because we're going to go ahead and talk about them here since you brought them up. We'll talk about the Florida Gators here. I'm proud of my Gators for the way that the defense performed on Saturday against Mississippi State. That being said, for as good as Florida looked on defense on Sunday, they were just as bad on offense. And the Felipe. Felipe Franks that lit up the Tennessee Volunteers the week before was nowhere to be found. Now, I'm not going to say that it's going to be an easy situation going to Starkville and winning, so props to Franks for pulling that off. But if he plays like he played against Mississippi State, we are going to get bitch-slapped by LSU this Saturday. Mm, And makes me me, kind of ramp up my countdown to the cocktail party. Mm. Don't make the joke, Jason. Just give us your dud. (laughs) I got a question. What do you know about Ray Finkel? Oh, my God. You guys don't, don't know who Ray Finkel is. Anyway, this is why they're dud. It's the Miami Dolphins. You come in undefeated, facing the Patriots. And I, I give you guys an Ace Ventura reference, and you guys, oh, God. I, I am fully disappointed in you. Okay, oh that implies that I've seen Ace Ventura mm-hmm. in the last, like, 15 minutes of in my entire life. Okay, you guys, since I'm the old... Father figure of the group, go watch Ace Ventura. Oh, cool. That Miami, that, that, that Miami Dolphins team showed up better than this one. I mean, everybody knew that Miami was going to fall apart. It was just a matter of when. They come in undefeated, leading the division, and of course, they got to face the Pats. Everybody had hope. Everybody had hope. This was the Somebody year Brady was them. down. 
this was the year Brady was down. And, yeah, laces out. I mean, if they had lost relatively close, that would have been one thing, but they laid a complete goose egg in this game. 37. That's... I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, they only they had less than two hundred total yards. One hundred ninety-four. Hundred. Uh, I've got one hundred ninety-one. Um, and that defense for the Patriots isn't very tough. I mean, I, I just don't understand how in the world that they couldn't at least. Make this game close. But that's it. The dud of the week, Miami Dolphins. Well, it's all psychological, just like my honorary duds of the Collingwood Magpies. By the way, um, small advice at Mason610Cox. As much as I love you, you, you may want to consider changing your Twitter handle because everybody lists you at 611. Also, yeah. Good luck next year. You got to the grand final. Hey, the team typically loses. Not your fault. Oh, 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 hey, go, going back to studs real quick. I forgot to mention my honorary stud brought to you by uh, brought to you by Robert Taylor. Hey, guess what, Harry? Guess what time it is? <laughs> gee, gonna... gee Bisco, what time is it? <laughs> it's Mahomes time. We're going to sit here in silence every time you guys try to bring this up. Well, Go ahead. I, I, Go I, ahead. Got, a, I got an honorary dud. I got an honorary dud. My honorary dud is the West Virginia Hoot House who lost the 56 to nothing no. to the Albuquerque no. assholes over the weekend. No, not doing this. I keep Anywho. telling you. The Kentucky buckets are coming for him. <laughs> Anywho, well, their coach, their coach Colonel Sanders, is really, really stepping the game up. You created a monster, Harry. Just face facts. I'm, I'm all, I almost caught off six this week, and I'm regretting not doing so. Anywho, um, here's the thing, though, Jason, for your stud or for your dud, excuse me, for the Miami Dolphins. Would you rather lose the way that the Dolphins did, get completely dominated in all facets of the game and just be able to put this one behind you as a bad performance? Or would you rather lose like my dud did, leaving A.J. Green wide open with seven seconds left in the game for Cincinnati to beat Atlanta 37-36? I'd rather lose the heartbreaker because at least it gives you hope and something to build upon. Especially would, with how people are still talking about the Patriots, you know, and them still thinking that they're going to be the dynasty, if or, or that they're still, you know, the team to be in the AFC East. Even if they had lost, if they had made it a close game, I think it would have put a lot more doubt in people's mind of, oh, maybe the Patriots are beatable and the Dolphins are for real. And especially the fact that they come to Miami later in the season. Mm-hmm. They lost with seven seconds left. Oh, I'm not doubting oh, never... that. It's a heartbreaker. Well, yeah, unless we forget you had two games decided in the final 30 seconds of overtime. Sometimes that happens. 
Oh, spe- <laughs> speaking of let's that, the- real quick, here's give me a second, Brandon, because I need to expand upon my debt a little bit here. Let's look at the standings in the uh, NFC South, because you know who you're going to find in the basement of those standings. The Atlanta uh, Falcons, one in three. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. Yeah. This is a team with Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Tevin Coleman, and Devontae Booker. They Freeman. should not. Freeman. Devontae Freeman, excuse me. They should not be one in three. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know who they don't have? Kyle Shanahan. He oh. up and left. Or no. – uh, or um, Jones or uh, Rashad. Uh, oh wow, what's his last name? Their uh, safety. You know what they don't have? A twenty-eight to three lead. Hmm. Womp womp womp. <laughs> My point being here that if you would have told me that four weeks into the season. The Falcons would have been in the basement of the NFC South. I would have called you crazy. Mm-hmm. This is insanity to me that this team is playing as poorly as they are, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, I can explain the offense. Can't explain the defense, though. Well, the defense has been because of injuries. There have Keanu Neal and yeah, um, there we go. And Jones going out with injuries against New Orleans probably didn't help matter. No, or not New Orleans. And the season opener, yes. excuse me, against Philadelphia probably didn't help matters. Not to mention their schedule to start this season has been brutal too. So hopefully that'll lighten up for them. This is a very talented team if they can get their act together. But so far they're not showing it. And that earns them dud status for the week. We move on to so that happened. Can, Jason, can I just bring up one thing? Um, I don't know if you were going to mention it, but. Uh, Eric brought it up, and I, it made me think about it for so that happened with the whole TV scheduling thing. Um, we can get into that in a second. Jason actually okay. had something he wanted to lead off so that happened with. Oh, okay. Uh, I did. Um, NFL Rookie of the Year odds. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, I was sitting here, like, kind of going back and searching because I've made, like, so many suggestions. Yeah, the NFL Rookie of the Year odds that just came out today. Now, granted, me and Brandon might take offense to this, but the updated odds to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year as of today is Mayfield is plus 155, Barkley is plus 275, Ridley as it is at 550, Donald is at 700. Michael is plus 1,200. You can cut it No, because I actually think one of these guys, one of these next two, could actually do it. Allen and Chubb are both 1,800. Now, with that being said, Mayfield, I don't. I don't see it. Uh, I really, in my heart, I think it's three people that's going to going to be in the running. One showed that in three carries, he can produce if the Browns give him a ch- chance. And that's uh, oh, Chubb. Secondly yeah, is real quick Ridley here, yeah. out of Atlanta. 
I, I was just going to say real quick here, I wanted to give credit where it's due for Nick Chubb for actually leading the Browns in rushing this past Sunday. I knew I had faith drafting him a little bit higher than expected in one of my fantasy leagues. But my thing is, how is Mayfield only plus 155 after a four-turnover performance? Because I think it's more so based off of the Week 3 performance more than anything. Yeah, well, I hope they update those mighty quickly because it's not going to get any easier for Mayfield. Again, if the Browns wanted to troll, they would finish 5-10-1 and make Vegas a push. I think that seems very likely. Jason, continue your thought. I apologize for what I started. Oh, you're fine. Uh, Ridley, who has emerged as the perfect complimentary wide receiver in Atlanta opposite Julio Jones, has been able to show his talents. And every time he scores, he waves at Jerry Jones for passing him up. And then you have, you know, probably the best rookie running back to come out in quite some time with a lot of fanfare, and he's proven it in Barkley. So how in the world is Mayfield above any of those three is beyond my my fathom. Yeah, like I said just before, it's I think it's all because of the hype from the Week 3 comeback. Um, but I think that's going to drop very quickly. I think, personally, I think Mayfield will be in the running just because, depending upon how the Browns do the remainder of the season. Um, but I think the two, I think the odds-on favorite that I would put at the top right now, although his team is also kind of struggling mightily uh is is Ridley uh but I think I think it's going to be a race between Ridley Barkley Chubb and uh and Mayfield but I think Chubb is going to get hurt because he's on the same team as Mayfield and all the attention is going to go to Mayfield Calvin Ridley had six targets with four catches for 54 yards against Cincinnati, but of those four catches, two of them went for touchdown. Mm-hmm. So you could argue that either Barkley or Ridley are the most productive of the rookie class here. I would say that my favorite right now has probably got to be Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. just because of the fact that he has become more or less the focal point of that Giants offense. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here, Brandon, you follow this team closer than I do. Barkley was one of only three running backs to have 100 yards each in the first three games of the season, was he not? Yes, I believe so. I believe it was Barkley, Todd Gurley, and Adrian Peterson were the only three that did it. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive company for the rookie there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think I think the big issue with Barkley, though, is how long is... I mean, they showed a lot of promise, or a lot more promise, last week. Um, in in their win, not so much this week, but you know they still showed some promise. Um, with that offensive line getting better, so I think if Barkley is able to keep up the production that he's had, he's definitely you know up there in the running. But I think a lot of that is going to also depend upon how well the Giants do as a team for the remainder of the season. The fact that you guys are one in three right now hurts Saquon Barkley, yeah. 
But at the same time, the Browns are one, two, and one, and the Falcons are one and three as well. It's not like mm-hmm. any of these teams are running away with yeah, no, that's that was what I was going to say was each of these teams, I think it's going to heavily depend upon how the teams do as well that will determine who's in the front who's in the front at the end of the season. Barkley held to a season low 44 yards against New Orleans, but in fairness, you guys were out of that game early yeah. and he didn't see the football a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon, you wanted to ask something here, and so that happened, so the floor is yours. Yeah, um, so why can CBS stay for the remainder of a an overtime game, but Fox cannot? Because CBS didn't have anything in the 420 window. Yes, they oh, did. CBS had, the, CBS had the 425 window, so they're legally allowed to stay with whichever game they choose. It was the same situation with Fox last, or, uh, yeah, well, not this past week, but the week before. Uh, they also had the national game. Maybe it's discretionary based on the network's decision? I guess, yeah. Because you're referring to the fact that they went to bonus coverage bonus coverage of Houston and Indianapolis, correct? Yes, and then they did not jump to the Giants-Saints uh, game immediately. I think in certain markets they immediately made the jump. Well, in yeah. Fairness, you're not in a big enough market that it would be classified that they had to immediately go to the Giants and Saints game. But but that's what I'm saying. The week before, I also was not in a home market for the 4 o'clock game, and yet they still immediately jumped you're to a, the 4 o'clock game. So. You're a lot closer to Jacksonville than you are to New York, sir. True. Is Eric, really- anything? I mean, this is the one thing that's always intrigued me about these sorts of situations, especially now you're getting into the part of the year to where networks are swapping games, starting to see more AFC matchups on uh, Fox and NFC matchups, a couple of them on CBS. I mean, I would think that the league or at least the networks would clarify say hey if you're in your markets for your home team you've got this situation this is going to happen if you're what would be considered you're the national market this is what's going to happen i yeah the end of these games especially the one to where you had the name value with andrew luck colts texans I get why they would go to that game, especially how it ended. But aside from that, I'm clueless. Aside from chasing ratings. Well, they always do that at the end of you know your local game. If there's still a, a 1 o'clock game going on, they always switch to that game. But then it, it changed in terms of whether they would switch automatically at kickoff to the 4 o'clock game or not. On Fox, in week three, they did, but in week four with CBS, they did not. Well, what was the the week three game that they'd switched from on Fox? Uh, Falcons, Falcons Saints. Or, let me see, it was was Falcons someone. Let's see. Falcons Saints. Yeah, it was Falcons Saints. That's the game that Breeze had the uh, the winning touchdown run at 
front of the forty-three. And it was not. Line. And it was not Jacksonville. Actually, it was Dallas Seattle. That was a four o'clock game on Fox. Ah. Yeah. Week two. Week two was the Jacksonville New England game on yeah. CBS. Um, I think the reason that they switched to the Dallas game is because of the Dallas fan base. Bingo. Yeah, that's. that's- Probably. But who wants to watch Dallas? I yeah, mean, seriously, who wants to watch Sadly, the Dallas? There's a market for the team still. There's a reason that they are Forbes' most valued franchise in professional sports. Yeah, they're worth nearly, what, $4 billion at this point? I think it's like $3.8 billion, yeah. Yeah. I rest my case. <laughs> well, All right. they, haven't, so, they haven't been relevant since 1996, though. Yeah, really. I'm not disagreeing with that, but at the same time, there's still a fan base that travels and follows and pays attention to the team much larger than probably I'm not, either the I'm, Falcons I'm, or the Saints. And there's a reason the Brokeback Mountain was made in Dallas. <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> the views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect those of the W2M network. <laughs> But Terry Fleck, every New York Giants fan, every Philadelphia (laughs) Eagles fan, and every Washington Redskins fan in the United States. Yep. To be fair, the owner of the W2M Network is a Cowboys fan. (laughs) So there you go. Um, So this happened. All right. So I know we like to have fun and joke around on this show here, but something serious happened in your West Virginia game on Saturday Jason, and I kind of want to touch on it right here. The wedding at halftime. That's such a West Virginia thing, even though the game was in Texas. But anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm referring back. I'm, I'm actually referring to the Texas Tech quarterback. Did you guys happen to see this year? And speaking of things, if you happen to see, there's something else that I'm going to touch on next, too. But no, I did you guys not happen, see this. Do you guys happen to see what happened to Texas Tech quarterback Alec, Alan Bowman? No. No. Jason, were you watching the game? Uh, I watched it, but I kind of... I kind of quit watching at halftime because it was a blowout only to come back and realized that it was a one-score game when I got back home from cutting grass. So I probably missed it. Texas Tech quarterback Alan Bowman was hit by two defenders in the first half of the game. Sandwiched between those two defenders, made his way to the sidelines. He came back into the game for a couple of plays, went back over to the sideline, and proceeded to collapse on the sideline, ending up in the hospital with a punctured lung. Damn. That is the second player that collapsed on Saturday. Wasn't it a Tennessee State linebacker as well? Christian against, Abercrombie. Against yes. Vanderbilt, correct? Yes. That's it. Um, how does a guy with a collapsed lung end up back in the game? Does somebody want to tell me how a medical staff misses this? Eric? They don't do proper protocol, <laughs> yeah. and the player just pretty much hides and say, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, because you have a lot of players that want to go back into the game. So I think that was really something of a perfect storm. And also with the, I, I, I mean, I didn't see the hit, but with the way that 
he got hit, they were probably more so worried about a concussion. So they probably mm-hmm. went through the concussion protocol, realized that he did not have a concussion, and said, okay, you're good to go. Yeah, they did that, but there was nothing else. Here's my right, question. As, do you guys girl, think it's possible? Do you guys think it's possible that due to the fact that he came in as a statistical leader in the FBS in passing yards per game, that it was a decision made in order to keep their probably their most relevant piece in, or do you think it's just a case of a misdiagnosis? Go ahead, Jason. I apologize. As a medical professional and a EMT, um, a collapsed lung is easily overlooked, especially if you're looking, as Brandon said, a concussion. Um, Adrenaline plays a lot in it. Uh, A collapsed lung will cause you to have sort of a flailed chest where one lung expands while the other one does nothing. Adrenaline plays a lot in this. It can be masked very easily. With that being said, so it's very easily that, yeah, they was more concerned about a concussion. They went through the concussion protocol, like Brennan said, and totally just the adrenaline was in place. So the collapsed lung kind of wasn't really prevalent to be even noticed due to an adrenaline spike. When the adrenaline started flowing out, he started calming down. That's when it became an issue, and that's when, you know, your body does miraculous things when it's running off pure adrenaline. When it's not, your body has to come back down into normal. And then you realize there's a lot of injuries, a lot of things that might have been sustained that you could overlook due to just your body reacting off pure adrenaline or, or even shock. So with that being said, they might have just... Not necessarily misdiagnosed it is it might not have been when they was evaluating. It might not have been as present to even be noticed by a medical staff if they don't know what they're looking for. That's a very insightful thought there, Jason. I appreciate that. Sometimes it helps to be medical personnel on a podcast. (laughs) Uh, apparently so. Speaking of medical personnel, you know who else needed medical personnel? Who? We have to talk about it here because we have yet another NFL superstar going down with a probable season-ending injury. I'm referring to Cincinnati Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert. Oh, yeah. And uh, Disley went out as well. Not to mention the whole <laughs> Earl Thomas and giving the team a parting gift as he was ridden off. But, yes, that that was going to be my thing. Uh, the whole Earl Thomas. Uh, everybody says Tyler Eifert can't catch a break, but obviously Sunday he did. <laughs> Again, views and opinions of Jason T. Yada yada yada. <laughs> no, but that is one of the most horrific injuries I've ever seen, and literally, I mean, I like Tyler Eifert. I think he was a great tight end coming into the league. But that kid has been snake bit by injuries more than anybody I can remember in recent history of the NFL. I mean, it's just when he starts rolling and and they he shows promise, he always gets hit with the injury. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he needs to become the boy in the plastic bubble. <laughs> and that one looked particular. Any time the network 
has to have their own little disclaimer and they only show it once, you know it's bad. Actually seeing it, ugh, it was the second most gruesome thing I've seen this week. I, I, I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> no, no. You don't no, want to. No, I'm, no, you I'm, really I'm, don't. I'll tell you that off air. <laughs> back, back to the iPhone situation here. Arby's. Back, back to the situation at hand here. The issue that I have with the Eifert thing here is I actually was not getting that game live. I was not watching the game. I was spending time with the girlfriend. I wasn't watching football on Sunday live as it happened. But I saw the entire chat for the Wrestling to the Max football group go up in arms about the Eifert injury. So I felt I owed it to myself to see what everyone was talking about. If you have not seen the clip, I would advise you against doing so with a full stomach. It is freaking disgusting. Uh, Jason, let's go ahead and touch on Earl Thomas here as well. Where do you stand on the whole Earl Thomas flipping off the sideline in Seattle situation there? Do you think he was actually flipping off his teammates, or do you think, as your beloved Robert Taylor was saying, that he was flipping off the coach and the general manager? I think it was both. I mean, I think it was... It was the fact that the the team didn't want to support him. Uh, nobody came out in his defense like certain people came out to other players' defense because of his reputation. And everybody, I think everybody was intimidated that they did come out to support him or vocalize their support for him. They would fi- face reprim- reprimand from the front office. So I think a lot of people didn't step forward to, to kind of have his back. And then I, I rarely know any owners. I mean, there's a handful to be on field level. So the whole Robert thing saying that it was management on the field, I kind of doubt, but you kind of got a feel for the guy. I mean, he was playing under a, a contract hoping to get something better he has begged to be traded. Said if Seattle didn't want him, trade him. Let him play. Let him play for somebody that actually wants him. And Seattle would not grant him that. Put such a high asking price that nobody was willing to meet it. And then this happens. Now it is not only kind of big f you to Earl Thomas, and the fact that it now hurts his market value tremendously. I mean, he's not as—he's not a young player. He's the last in the Legion of Boone Seattle uh, defensive backs, and for Seattle to do what they did to him, it was kind of dirty, in my opinion. Yeah, he's—he's he's a difficult player, you know. Ever uh, there's a lot of prima donnas in the NFL, but the fact that he did in good faith still play. Unlike Le'Veon Bell, but we'll touch on that shortly. He still played, and he was giving his off for a team that he didn't want to be with. But yeah, he's still strapped up. He still put his put his career on the line, literally, only to get hurt for a team that didn't want him. Did, well, I mean, you brought him up. I'm sure you'll. I know you'll talk about him more later. But do you think this is kind of a situation where, like? 
Le'Veon Bell's kind of laughing and saying, hey, th- this is exactly what I was talking about. This is exactly why I'm sitting out. Yes and I no. You, I think you should save that. I think you should save that explanation for later on in the show because I know that that's I, I, was just, I was just saying yes and no, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on the on the uh, Earl Thomas situation? I mean, what Seattle did was just downright skeezy. You have a player that, first of all, you're rebuilding the team anyways. You know his time with you is coming to an end. He's the last of the Legion of Boom, as like Jason mentioned. Pete Carroll's on his way out the door. And he's putting in all of this effort, time, energy, stress on his body and everything for a mediocre Seattle team. One that's going to get even worse potentially over the next couple of years. He says, hey, I see the writing on the wall. I see how things have changed. I'm not happy. I'm letting you know I want out. Let me out of here. So he goes ahead and names his team Dallas. Dallas comes in with an offer. What does Seattle do? Nah, since you're Dallas, we want more from you. Anybody else? Fine, but not you. Then Kansas City is apparently close to an offer. I don't know how that fell through before the injury, but somehow somebody didn't want to pull the trigger. So now you're exacerbating the situation, but... Earl Thomas, yeah, squeaky wheel gets the grease. He's still making it known, but he's still putting through that effort. And then this happens. Yeah, if management was on the field, he was flipping them off. Pete Carroll, flipping them off. And I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Russell Wilson, which I've heard a lot of things about coming from that Seattle locker room and treatment towards him, if he wasn't flipping them off too. And personally, I don't hold anything against him. I get it. So ESPN has revealed their list of highest-paid college football coaches. Nick Saban is first. Urban Meyer is second. Uh, Eric, do you agree with that top two? Yes. Uh, Saban's pretty much on track to, in the next few years, crush the Bears' record and then retire. What he's done, especially for Alabama, I don't dispute that. And for number two, Urban Meyer, well, look at what he did to Ohio State. Came in when they were under sanctions, undefeated season, threatened talk of a split national championship. And in the playoff era, a modicum of success, winning another, winning a national championship. Yes, some ugly performances along the way, but aside from the SEC, they've been the one consistent legitimate contender in appearance. I don't like him. Still don't like what he did. But if you're just talking X's and O's and what he does on the field, yeah, I can understand why they're paying him so much. Brandon. Yeah, I mean, these two are the the top of their class. They are the class of head coaches in college. Um, you know, the only the only person that I could even fathom seeing getting that type of money um, uh, just on their success level within college 
uh, is Dabo Sweeney. Jason? No. No, I, I think they're the best two college football coaches in there, even though one of them may not have a job at the end of the season. I don't know. If they win... Oh, yeah. If they game, win, they, they don't care. No, yeah, they don't. And personally, I think when Saban retires, Dabo Sweeney's going to be next up if he keeps this going. Look at uh, look at the way things were with Urban Meyer in Florida with choir boys and convicts down there. Mm-hmm. You see what I did there, Eric? Oh, yeah. You know the joke. <laughs> you had a priest, a racist, and a murderer all walk onto a football field. Yeah, he dealt with it. All right. I had one other little thing to touch on with, with uh, Nick Saban if you guys wanted to, but... I feel like we've kind of touched on a lot here until that happens, so we really don't have to get to it. It's just about him calling out the Alabama student fan base. What exactly did he say? He's just bitching about the fact that the student section isn't full at the games and he doesn't appreciate it. Um, saying that recruits are coming to these games and that they need to leave a proper opinion of Alabama football in those recruits' eyes. And if they're coming and seeing the team take on Ulala like they did this past Saturday, even though it was 42 to nothing at one point, the fans should still be in the, in the building supporting the team because there are a bunch of people, alumni and other fan bases aside, that could be filling those student section seats and staying for the entirety of the games. I mean, while I agree with them to an extent, I mean, maybe you shouldn't be uh, scheduling recruit visits during non-conference games where you know you're going to be... Either A, don't schedule them during non-conference games where you you know you're going to be blowing the other team out, or hey, here's a novel idea. Actually schedule competitive non-conference games at home. Oh Yeah, but the, the, the problem is he's tried doing that, and look at what's happened. Stop spoiling the students and blowing fans out. And if I'm an Alabama recruit, I don't give a damn about the student section unless, and I'm going to stop that sentence right there for the sake of the show, I'm saying, hey, I can get to the NFL. Hey, I can win a couple national championship rings. I'm in. Yeah, I don't think the student section is exactly at the top of the priority of of a recruit that's going to Alabama. I don't know. It depends on... It depends on who's in the student section. Ask Jen Sturger. Yeah, well, it depends on the sections of the students, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this. I'm pretty sure the coaching staff is showing the recruits the student bodies that they need yeah, away from the games. Exactly. <laughs> um, Alabama, is, Alabama and just about every major football recruiting if you got to rely on looking at students in the fan in the stands during a non-conference game, like Brandon said, I'm pretty sure that you know the. I mean, the multi-million-dollar weight room. No, no, that don't matter. We're we want you to see you. We want to play a Division three school of deaf and blind, and we want to bring our top recruits in to see this. No, you're not doing that. Yeah. So him. Pulling that mess is ridiculous. If you like, I, I, I'm agreeing with a lot with Brandon. This is really scary. Schedule, if you're going to have recruits there, you're going to have them there for big games. You're yep. not going to bring them in for, you know, 
the mahogany deaf and blind school versus Alabama for payday. Um, which is a really funny story. But I'll tell you guys off air. I feel, um, kind, of bad. I feel kind of bad for you, Lala, here, for getting no respect. <laughs> well, no, I mean they can't. They they signed on for a payday. They know that they, they're not going to come in expecting to beat Alabama. They got a hefty payday to come in and get their ass kicked. That granted, that's, that's granted. That's but at the same time, we've we've seen that backfire for teams as well. How many times have you seen it backfire though? Well, several times this year. Look at Kansas paying Nickel State to come there and visit earlier in the season. And That's Nickel Kansas, State, though. Yeah, but they're like, Division Two on a good day. Kansas does not yeah, count football. Okay, what about Michigan? What about let's let's go back to two thousand and eight when Michigan paid Appalachian State to come into the Big House. Mm-hmm. Now that oh. was nice. Old, and I said, past. hey, it's going to happen at some point. Yes, and just like Maine, under when they went ahead to Starkville and beat the Sylvester Croom-led Mississippi State in a terrible 9-7 game. I get that it happens, but it's still infrequent at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, like the old saying goes, one squirrel will find a nut once in this lifetime. Thank you. Yep. I'm not going to disagree with that, but at the same time, you guys are knocking these money-making games for these slower-level schools here. They do pay off on occasion. It happened to Florida a couple of years ago when we had our down season. We finished 4-8, and eight, and but, Georgia Southern came into the swamp and beat us. But, see, that's the key thing that you just said right there. It's It always seems to happen when the bigger team is on a down season. So, yeah, it'll happen, but it's more an indication of uh, the, the bigger or... team being re- a rebuilt in a rebuilding phase or having a down season. Not to mention you're or... looking at, aside from Maine, these FCS powerhouses. Appalachian State, they were defending national champions. Georgia Southern, perennial national championship contenders. That's mm-hmm. why they eventually made the jump to the Sun Belt. Go ahead, Jason, and then we'll move on to our buy or sell segment. They, they've covered just about everything I was going to say. All right, so then we move into buy or sell, and based on the randomizer that I used, Eric has won the toss. Okay. College, NFL, or the mixture? I'm going to go with the NFL question. It relates to the NFC North leading Chicago Bears. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Will we still be saying those words at mi- the midway point? By yourself, the Bears lead the NFC North halfway through the season going into week nine. Sell, sell, sell. Granted, their defense is a beast. Granted, they took advantage of John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders when they were on whatever the hell they were on and getting and paying Khalil Mack. He has paid immediate dividends, and he's helped recreate the next era of the Monsters of the Midway. That said, yeah, the blind squirrel finding a nut once in their lifetime, that's Mitchell Trubisky. Do you really trust him on a week-to-week basis to pull off that kind of stunt that he did on Sunday? Because I sure as hell don't. 
And poor Matt Nagy is going to pull whatever hair out he can from wherever he has it. Because this is what he's going to have to deal with until he says, hey, get me another damn quarterback who can throw the ball. Jason? I'm buying the shit out of it. I think I think that defense is going to carry, carry that team a lot further than what that team should be going. Um, I think they're at defense playing with a chip on its shoulder and that offense. I mean, you know, you could talk all the trash you want about Trubisky, but he's becoming comfortable. He needed a big game to get comfortable, to get his confidence up, to actually gel in that system. So I'm, I'm buying everywhere I can a Chicago – uh, division win. Brandon? Um, I'm going to sell this with the caveat that this week is the is a big um, decision maker in terms of that. Because, hate to say it, Harry, and I think you have to agree with me on this, uh, Buffalo is not exactly a big um, litmus test in terms of uh, whether or not the Packers' defense have gotten their their act together. Whereas the Lions, with Matthew Stafford, very well could be. So this week, if the Packers can actually play good defense, not make stupid penalties, Clay Matthews has finally figured out what a tackle is in this ridiculous NFL, allegedly. Um... As long as that has happened, I think the Packers will will be in first place at the midway point. Jason, you have the second pick of our categories here. Do you want the NCAA or do you want the combination? I'll take the combo. Buy or sell, college football has better fan bases than the National Football League. I'm buying that every day, twice on Sunday, with every last penny I have. College football is where it's at. I mean, you have drunk drunk girls showing their boobs in the parking lot. I mean, you rarely see that at an NFL game. They got they address they have like kind of a higher standard, but college you have no standards. You get well, I mean, they might they might be ugly titties, but you're going to see some titties in the parking lot before you walk into a game. In college, all titties are beautiful titties. One, I, I've seen some ugly titties. I've seen some like conehead titties. I've seen. I, it, it might be. It might be. It, it might be. You know, somebody might have got their grandma drunk and she wanted to show titties, but you're going to see some titties. Grandma might trip over a nipple in the parking lot drunk, but you'll see her titties. <laughs> Why am I having a flashback to Rodney Carrington's grandma's got her boobs out? Uh, Brandon, um, qualify uh, better. Do you mean more rabid or do you mean... Passionate. um, uh, I hate to say it because it's beyond stupid, but unfortunately I have to buy it because for some... Godforsaken reason, for some idiotic reason, these idiots actually care about a glorified exhibition season. 
I know it's because they have nothing else, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Your school doesn't even play football. You don't that, count in this but, but that's what I'm saying. That's all they have is college. You know. Eric? I have seen tents be erected in certain places on campuses hours, if not days, before kickoff. I have seen students go 12 hours in blistering heat wearing animal onesies. I have seen fans for a meaningless bowl game get up in their pajamas and tailgate with bacon and pancakes. You damn straight I'm going to buy. Because I haven't seen any of that in the NFL. And believe me, here in Jacksonville, I've seen some things. But there's one thing that would make liquor stores open up at 8 in the damn morning, and that's Florida, Georgia. I buy. <laughs> well, and the fact that, see, the NFL ticket price is so outrageous. You're, you, you're not going to get a, you're going to get a different clientele at an NFL game most of the time than you are at a college football game. You're going to get the drunk idiots at a college football game. You're going to get, the upper class drunk idiot at a NFL game. Well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give you an example of what Jason's referring to there as far as the whole difference in clientele here. Okay, so let's look at a, a game in the NFC West this week here, real quick, and then we'll get back to by yourself. The Los Angeles Rams at 4 0 are taking on the Seattle Seahawks at 2 2 at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. To put this into perspective here, the cheapest you can find a ticket for this game on StubHub right now is $109. Do you know how much weed you could buy for 109 bucks in Seattle? <laughs> I don't know, but I guarantee you know the conversion rate, Eric. Oh, you damn straight I do. Oh, so You almost moved to Seattle. <laughs> if memory serves. But anyway. Well, I... I, I, I had the rents not been as expensive as they were, I would be doing this from a loft right now with a nice job and uh, probably not sober and, I don't know, making somewhat frequent trips across the Canadian border. Damn it, that... Oh! <laughs> a two-bedroom place for 2500 a month. How the hell can anyone afford that? They sell a lot of weed. And it's called Better Jobs. <laughs> Yeah, but for, it's a lot of tech. It's a lot of tech work up there, which I'm guessing pays well. But all right, let's get back to the show at hand here. And Brandon, hipsters. Brandon, you start us off for the college football question here. Okay. I know college isn't your bag, but them's the breaks, homie. I, I, I by yourself. This. By yourself, with Stanford's loss to Notre Dame on Saturday night, the Pac-12 is officially out of the running for the college football playoff. There are no more undefeated teams in the Pac-12, correct? Wrong. Colorado. Yeah, I'm buying that. Yeah, there is no way Colorado is getting in. I'm sorry, Colorado. But, no. He's not sorry. <laughs> oh, I am, because I would love to see Colorado in there. But, no. Colorado hasn't been relevant since Slash. 
a Cordell Stewart reference. Some bitch. <laughs> Eric? Deep cuts. Deep cuts. Personally, I'm not only going to buy that the Pac-12 was done. Uh, looking at Notre Dame, looking at how historically this committee has been towards these big names, if I'm one of the other conferences pretty much outside of the SEC, I'm being very, very careful because they could easily be on the bubble ACC, I'm really looking at you first. I completely disagree with that, and I'm going to tell you why. I think that I think the committee and and a lot of people aren't going to like it, and it's going to completely, you know, turn college football on its head. But I think the committee, because correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the committee members are conference presidents and based in the conferences, correct? A good portion of them are, yes, but some of them are also personalities and stuff in relation to the They're going to make, a, especially the conference-based ones, are going to make a statement and say, hey, Notre Dame, get with, the picture, get with the program and join the ACC or else. And personally, I really think if that's the case, then the Notre Dame and Notre Dame would really say to hell with the ACC and probably make a deal with the Big Ten. Because if you have an undefeated Notre Dame team, which at this point is within the realm of reason, they don't make the playoff, then that's going to be a major outcry. And I know you in particular, Brandon, would really work toward getting your wish of having let's, things settled more fairly. Mm-hmm. All right, let's state for the record that an undefeated Notre Dame team is getting into the college football Yeah, playoff. you say that now. No, I, I, I think that period you... based on their schedule. I I think they're going to... Obviously, if Clemson or, or Ohio State lose, then yes, they are absolutely getting in. But if it stays as it is right now where Clemson and Ohio State are still undefeated is going to be the exact same as it was last year because they're going to try to make a statement against Notre Dame to say, get with the program, get in the conference now. But I'm also going to say this. Clemson, especially after this week, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Ohio State, vulnerable. Well, this seems like yeah, it's good to a, a nice little conference that's going to have two top, possibly top five teams meeting back to back at the end of the season. But you go ahead and talk. Jason's still on that Big 12 bandwagon. Wave that flag, homie. <laughs> Anywho. I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, if, if West Virginia or Oklahoma finish undefeated, you cannot deny them a, a, a spot. For, for, all, for, for how much you guys watch college football so much more than I do, you are all so naive. Jason's conversation about West Virginia seems like the perfect place to segue into pour one out for the homers. 
we mentioned that West Virginia Texas Tech game 42-34 West Virginia picks up the victory to move to 5 and 4 and 0 excuse me they had the off day because of the cancellation of the game with NC State. Uh, who do you guys get this week Jason? Uh, we have a, a tough matchup with the Kansas Jayhawks at home at noon. All right, uh, I'm adding an additional buy or sell question here. Buy or sell, West Virginia hangs 70 on Kansas. I'm buying it. I, I could see that. Maybe not quite 70. I'll give it like 65 or 68. Strictly, the, the reason I'm buying it is they're, they're going to come out to prove something because regardless of what anybody thinks, Holgerson and the coach from Texas Tech – Coach together. There's a friend, friendly rivalry. He didn't want to embarrass him. He didn't want to run up the score against him. I think West Virginia needs to come out and absolutely annihilate a team to start getting a little bit of the recognition they deserve. And Kansas is unfortunately going to be the victim. Okay, before I answer, Jason, how deep is West Virginia at quarterback? The after girl, we have an, uh, uh, we have two solid backups. Okay, I buy, and they're not going to stop at seventy. I, I I'd say by that point they could hit eighty. Will Greer will be pulled from this game by halftime, most likely. That's exactly why I asked, hey, how deep are you with the quarterback? Because those second and third streams. (laughs) Will Greer has eight touchdowns by halftime. All right, Brandon, you're in this conversation as well. I ask both you and Jason, you guys go to Carolina this week. What are your thoughts on this game? Go ahead, Brandon. I'll let you take the lead. Um, especially since it's at Carolina, this is going to be a tricky one. Um, I think, let's see, I think it'll be closer than the the seven-point spread they're giving it. I think it'll be a touchdown, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think the Giants are going one and four this week. I agree. Carolina's coming off a bye week. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that means they're going to be rested up. Uh, the Giants are still a little banged up. Ingram's still out. They're saying at least two more weeks. That's that's him pushing himself to recover. Um, so that that takes a big weapon off the offense. Uh, the line is horrendous. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Little Giants and Icebox have signed on to play another week and. And masquerade as a NFL offensive line, and I think Carolina's just going to be—they're coming in fresh off a of bye week, and the Giants are still recovering. I think they're going to—I'm—I uh, think it's going to be a shellacking, in all honesty. Eric, mm. the, the in-state rival—the in-state rivalry with the Gators is renewed next year. The in-state rivalry with Florida State is renewed this week. I mean, on the one hand, the turnover chain came out three times. 
Turnover Chain 2.0, which if anybody wanted to pool their money together and get me as a Christmas present, I would not object whatsoever. Tweet me at Squid Sports Head. I will send you all necessary information. That being said, I'm slightly, ever so slightly worried. We were like the Gators. As great as we were on defense, scoring on defense, getting the ball, opportunistic, opportunistic, opportunistic. And Kosi Perry fell pretty flat against what was a bleh North Carolina defense. Knowing Florida State and what they're going through this season, especially with DeAndre Francois back, knowing that this would mean so much more to them to knock us off than it would to us for knocking them off, Perry has got to be sharper. We can't afford to go an entire quarter without getting a first down. That's not going to help. And then all of this will immediately start to look a lot more crappy. Your Jacksonville Jaguars have a big one as the 3-1 and one Jaguars head to the 4-0 Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be arguably not just the most intriguing matchup with games after Mahomes' time showed up on Monday night. We've got to show that Saxonville doesn't observe Mahomes' time in his city. And what's going to be even juicier about that, Jalen Ramsey, Tyreek Hill. Who wins? Whoever wins that individual matchup is going to give that their team a much bigger boost. I'm more confident in Blake Bortles against that Swiss cheese defense. He's finally getting into a rhythm and producing, but it's not going to be as easy, especially with Fournette out. It's going to be a good game. Dot, dot, dot. Stay tuned. (laughs) I kind of figured that's where that was about to head. Eric, Flip the script here. You get to you get to ask me for my teams. Uh, so, uh, how did you feel about your Gators? I, especially you mentioned Felipe Franks and all this. Where's your confidence lying right about now? You're welcome, well, by the way. We'll get to you in a second, Bisco. Hush your mouth. <laughs> This is an LSU team I expected to get destroyed by Auburn and then beat them in in Jordan Hare. Mm-hmm. This is an LSU team that made a statement the opening weekend of the season when they put it on your Hurricanes. <sighs> if Felipe Franks plays like the Felipe Franks that played against Mississippi State, we are in deep trouble. If he plays like the Felipe Franks that played in Knoxville against Rocky Top, Tennessee. The number 22 Gators are going to beat the number five LSU Tigers. I I really, in this one case, I really hope not because we keep winning and LSU keeps winning. That kind of helps us. So for this week, Harry, sorry, I, 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 I can't go with you this one. I got my motives, though. I got my motives. He's sorry, not sorry. Uh, by the way, Eric, 
case you're wondering, I actually looked up one of those turnover chains. Mm-hmm. The replica chains are a hundred bucks. I know. That's why I say people pooling their money together. That's why it's not a singular responsibility. And that's actually a decrease because the best replicas of the original turnover chain were 150. Either way, ridiculous. All right, continue. What do you mean? This this is the you. We don't know the meaning of the word ridiculous. <laughs> Nor do you know the meaning of the word class. Ooh. Yeah, but we know the meaning of the word championship and dynasty. I'll take those words any day. Eh, two and three years, buddy. Yeah, uh, four in the span of a decade? <laughs> Not to mention, thank you for the segue, the guy who segue. started our great quarterback chain played for your professional team and got to the Hall of Fame that way. How about those bills? I really had faith in them circling the wagons, damn it. <laughs> yeah, apparently we can find with apparently we can find Wisconsin this week. We just can't score there. <laughs> uh, for a Packers team that was looking rough coming into this game, they completely and totally shut down the Bills. It gets no easier for Buffalo this week as the three and one Tennessee Titans are the opponent coming off of a win over the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I really didn't see in the ending to that one. Ooh, it got me kind of scared. And and yeah, thanks for helping to continue that offer. Oh, I'm never doing that again. If this season is any indication, based on the performances of the respective teams, much like the Giants, the Bills are staring at one and four. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad when uh, when Eric has the best record in here. Yeah, I'm just trying to that. You know it's weird times in the football kingdom when you can say that. I mean, well, we don't we don't have Robert Taylor on right now, although he'd be too busy saying Mahomes every third <laughs> word to actually deal with anything relevant. Anywho, moving on, let's get it together. Eric, we start with you. Now look, there were two teams that really Let's face it, they're not football schools, but they had a chance to do something very significant. One was looking for their first 5-0 and start since 1994. What did they do? They get blown out to by a team who just came off an ass-whooping by Old Dominion. Really? And then another team. You're looking to go 5-0 and for the first time since 1987. You knock the starter out. You're going against a third-string guy. All you have to do is make one stop, and you win on the road. Duke, Syracuse, get it together. There are times like that when you can prove yourselves and give a little bit more of a boost to the conference. What do you do? Nothing. <laughs> eh, like you said, to be fair to them, they're not exactly uh, football schools. 
All the more reason why that would have been special. I would be mm-hmm. saying the same of Northwestern, except I know that's not going to happen anytime soon. All right, but at the same time, Brandon, one of those not a football schools was in the top 25 this past weekend. That was Duke at 22. Uh-huh. Which is still shocking to me. Not really. Not I had them in, and then, well, not anymore. <laughs> I, I had them at 21 going into last weekend. Obviously, they're out now, but, yeah, this 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 was a Duke team that looked legit with wins over, with wins over Army, Baylor, and Northwestern, so. Brandon, get it together. My get it together, and this is actually uh, going to segue perfectly into, uh, into Jason's get it together. My get it together is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, you've got a bunch of things going on off the field, but one, two, and one in your first four when this was supposed to be the class of the NFC or the AFC North. Come on. Get it together. Jason, expand about those off-field issues. Well, we touched on him earlier. Le'Veon Bell needs to get it together. He needs to show up. He's reported that he's going to show up during the bye week. But he needs to get it together because the damage is already done. When he walks in that locker room, does he really think that he's just going to be welcomed in with open arms? He's probably hoping that they're going to continue losing, so they'll have to. Well, and not not to mention the fact he's coming in during a bye week, week seven. What's week eight? Trade deadline. He wants to do just enough to put himself in the shop window. I mean, it's... And then, you know, I understand, yeah, you want paid. But you also are relied upon by at least 22 other people on the team. You, you need to show up, do your job, and prove yourself to get paid. Granted, you know, worst thing can happen is you, you get a injury like Earl Thomas did. But that is a different monster because the Steelers want Le'Veon. They want to give him a contract. They just need to restructure other people to give him the contract. So that's why they franchise tagged him this year, and he's playing under that tag. Now he's suffering, as you, if you can call, you know, losing three million dollars out of a huge contract, suffering. <clears throat> Every game he misses, he loses more money. So why not just show up for work, mend fences while you can, see that the team obviously needs you, and just. Get it together and be a man and honor your commitments and prove why you should be given a contract because you are a team player and also a valuable part of the team. Well, and that the, the Steelers aren't going to give him the contract that he wants. Yeah, he, wa- he wants a little bit too much given his reputation. The Steelers have already set the bar $17 million guaranteed. That's it. We're not going to find that much higher. And especially with pulling this and with his issues with weed, I'll get to that whole story another day. 
they see him as, hey, you're valuable to us, but you've also got to realize you're a little bit of damaged goods. Well, that actually brings me to two questions, um, and you just brought one up right there, Eric. First, let me ask what I asked before. Do you think the Earl Thomas injury has any impact on what Le'Veon Bell is thinking right now, where he's thinking, see, this is exactly what I was talking about. I can easily get injured, and then my stock plummets. Well, let's expand upon that, because I alluded to it earlier. No, because there's a difference. Le'Veon wants to be in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. wants Le'Veon in, in Pittsburgh. There's Before the season, there was no animosity there other than he wanted to get what he thought he was worth. Granted, is he on Todd Gurley's level? No. Todd Gurley is a freak of nature and a better better running back than Le'Veon. He he can do more and you know, he's got a little bit less miles on him. Yeah, now, no, I understand you, that, you, but you go back you go back and look at Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas did not want to be in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle didn't want Earl Thomas in there. Seattle was being jerks about it, saying, Okay, yeah, we're going to make you play. We're not going to give you what you want. Now, if Le'Veon went into the Pittsburgh front office and said, look, I understand that we can't reach you, reach some, trade me to a team. Here's the teams I want to go to, trade me. Earl Thomas did that in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Earl That's- Thomas wanted, wanted to go to Dallas, wanted to go, I think it was uh, San, San Francisco. He wanted to go there. And Seattle said no. Yeah. You're going to play for us. You're going to if you're going to play football, you're going to play under this. And now bring it back around. The fact that he he was a stand-up guy say, "Look, okay, fine. I'll be a man. I'll honor that. I'll play." Then in my honest opinion, Seattle should have been like, "Okay, you showed us you're going to honor your commitment. You don't want to be here. Let's get you out. Let's keep you happy. Let's leave on good terms." Bingo. Let's try to keep. Yeah. Let, let's try to keep things cordial. No, mm. it became a pissing contest, yeah. and well, that, and that, and sadly, that could have jeopardized his, his career mm-hmm. because it's. I mean, this is going to sound stupid coming from me. It's taking food off his table. Mm-hmm. It's but, hurting his earning power. Yeah, it, I mean that brings me to another thing, like. Um, does this hurt Le'Veon's value once he does hit free agency where teams are going to kind of come together and say, oh, you were a dick, you know, we're not going to offer you as much as we would have if you showed your commitment to playing football? I would, I would like to step in here and say absolutely yes. I, I think don't that, think so. I, think I do. Does. I think it does because it shows that his passion is not the game of football. It is the money that he is making from football. And I would rather have somebody who is dedicated to the game rather than the income. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the previous issues he has on his record already, I would say no. You would have a lot more teams that would be willing to take a chance. But again... He is that little bit of damaged goods, now even more damaged when it comes to this. Unless we forget 
the first beginning of the season when he wasn't in that locker room, if there was any sort of atmosphere or anything rallied around him, his teammates would have come and supported him. What did they do? They said, no, quit being a greedy little bitch. Come play. We're here and we're not making nearly as enough as you are. Let's go or we'll go without you. His own. All their teams are going to look at that. Yeah, his own starting his own starting offensive lineman, Ramon Foster, had those words. Yeah. The okay, let's throw this out there. Just I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Okay. Or what if Bell sees the future of Pittsburgh on the decline? Ben's not there's talk Ben every year that he was retiring. True. Brown Brown, he could you know, they're not they might not be able to afford him, so he might be out of so Le'Veon might be stuck there with a whole new offense with none of the, the supporting cast around him. But that's and why he's on you, an island by That's but, why you play yeah. the season out and and then yeah. move on to a better team. And the issue now is that I have a feeling that a lot of the big teams in terms of skills, in terms of the likelihood of being able to make a championship game are going to pass on him because a lot of those teams are much more uh, professionally run and they don't like the prima donna types on there or in their organization. Also, you got to think, he is not the most outstanding citizen. He's mm-hmm. had runs in with the cops for marijuana possession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows... That front office doesn't put up with BS. He might be scared that, you know, just as a vendetta, you know, due to his reputation, he might get traded to a team that he doesn't want to go to. And exactly. He, and, and then it's a fact of, well, they've got some money to pay me, but they don't have the winning, the, the ability to win. And I'm not the key person. So, as long as he reports by week 11, he, he's, as soon as the offseason hits, he's, he's on the open market regardless. Yeah, no, but how to, open will that market be? Well, I, is the big I, question. I think it's going to be pretty open. I think I can tell you three teams that I guarantee that pick up the phone we, call. With all due respect, we do need to move on just because we still have another segment to get to. But, Eric, you had a thought there real quick. I'll let you close up the conversation. The Steelers have already said they're going to transition tag him next year, meaning 120% of whatever actual salary he makes this year. And that market would have been a lot more open for free agency if he had set himself up to be a very good one-year rental for a good team this year. That opportunity is gone mm-hmm. yeah he shot himself in the foot instead of the leg like plaxico burst <laughs> i knew that was coming 3.42 million dollars is how much he has given up this year yeah about 850 a little bit or give or take per game 855,000 a game it works out to 3.4 million dollars 
money that most of us will not see in our lifetime is what nope. he's given up in these first four games. Yeah, just let that sink in there. Give me um, just one of those game checks, and I'm set for a few years. Real quick here, because I haven't done my get-it-together yet. My get-it-together is to the Cleveland Browns fans. Congratulations. You beat the Jets. Oh, my God. The referees beat us. Oh, my God. The referees beat us. How many wrong calls can we have against us in one game? Uh, your quarterback got picked sixth and fumbled twice. You have a kicking game that hasn't been good since Phil Dawson was there. Granted, the kicker that you guys signed to replace Zane Gonzalez is doing well, but he's not exactly reliable. You have Jarvis hands a stone Landry who's having balls bounce off him to defenders at an alarming rate this season. Your defense allowed 45 points on Sunday. So many jokes they could have made with that one. Your team still sucks. Just because you won a game doesn't mean you're entitled. Get it together. Eric Hush. I, I am sorry. It, yeah, yeah, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Gentlemen, I have one last question for you as we get ready for our final segment. Are you serious? Brandon, college. All right, Bisco, let me go ahead and set the scene here because I know you're going to want me to, so I'll go ahead and do it because that's just the kind of guy that I am. Okay. After four weeks, we have standings. I just compiled them yesterday, actually. And I'm proud of myself because I did an excellent job, and you guys are welcome since no one said thank you! Anyway. <laughs> Brandon is four and four straight up, five and three against the spread. I am two and six straight up, five and three against the spread. Jason is two and six straight up, three and five against the spread. Eric, I think it's best if I don't say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can, can I say Eric, it? Can I say it for Eric, you? No, Eric's, no, Eric's, no, Eric's got the double gopher going. <laughs> oh, for eight straight up. Term for this in cricket, it's called the royal pair. I'll just leave it at that. Well, no, I'll use a better term. Um, and and yes, it's not a strikeout, no, but you you, you got the double golden sombrero. Wait, wouldn't was, that be quadruple was, in my case? No, because it's eight. Golden I, I, some, thought was, I thought it was a golden donut. No, it's golden sombrero. I thought it was a golden shower. <laughs> oh, no, I, oh, I did pull that off a couple of weeks ago. Let me tell you. <laughs> you've got to time that just right. Uh, Eric, I will say this much. Your picks have definitely been taking the piss. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, 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 it should be a new segment within this segment. Just I am the Jason Fitz of picks because you bet the opposite. You're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> All right. All right, Brandon, college football, get it together. Uh, this one, not so much sure that the win straight up. And I forget the exact spread. Um, 
but I think I think they'll definitely cover uh, Utah and Stanford. The current line is it's off the board, which means I can't allow you to pick that game. Well, I had it on my phone. Oh wait, it doesn't matter. It's ranked versus unranked, yeah. so you're picking all over Stanford. Yes. Okay, I can give you that since it's ranked versus unranked. Eric, let's try to erase this bagel. You know what? I, I, I put a lot of thought and effort into my picks the past four weeks. Look where that's gotten me. So you know what? I, I, as a certain longtime friend of mine would say, I'm going to scrap and rebuild. So for this one, I'm just going to try semi-random. Let's see what happens. San Diego State covers against Boise State. <laughs> um, I don't have that game listed right now. Do you happen to know what the line is? Boise State minus 14. Okay, so you have you have San Diego State getting 14 against Boise State. Okie dokie. Gotcha. <laughs> Jason? Now, since Eric's over... I'm going to go ahead and just break his heart. I'm taking Florida State over Miami. You're getting 13 and a half there. And that's going to be a nice. You're really going to take advantage of this low moment. Here I am, broken, sober. Yeah, I'm I'm going to kick you. I'm the guy that will kick you in the nuts when you're down. I don't care. (laughs) I mean, I talked about it taking Kentucky over Florida, and look where that got him. <laughs> I mean, the reason why I'm taking this game is it's a rivalry game, in-state rivalry game. Florida State Miami, you can scrap rankings, you can scrap everything. It's, going, it's mostly a close game. Rivalry games are hard to pick. Plus, I'm getting 13 and a half. Yeah, give me Florida State all day. I think I, it's going to be a lot closer. I don't disagree with you, but Jesus, remind me if I get pictures of my shenanigans, who not to send them to? (laughs) That's okay. His wife will just look at his phone and get him in trouble anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I told you guys I had a doozy off air before we came on air. Oh, do I ever. Not only is this a ATS pick, this is a straight-up pick as well. Maryland over Michigan. Oh. In the the big house. Mm. (laughs) That's a ballsy pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It it was almost as ballsy as me taking Vitek, but I I couldn't. Stomach taken by Ted. I actually considered, given the fact that you're getting six there in a ranked versus ranked. I thought about Vautech Notre Dame, but I think Notre Dame has a little bit too much firepower. Mm. I will be curious to see what Notre Dame does when they face Syracuse a little later on in the season, though. Rather or not, Ian Book has the same kind of issues that Trevor Lawrence did. We move on to the National Football League. Brandon, 
I am going to make uh, the head honcho of W2M very happy with this one. I'm picking the Cowboys over the Texans. All right, you're out of Johnson Nation. I don't care what anybody I, I, says. It, 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 pain, <laughs> it, it pains me immensely to say this, but it was the only one that I could see. What was, What are you getting in that game, Brandon? Uh, let me see. Three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. So I don't even think they cover, let alone win. But okay. Yeah. Jason? Uh, you know how I talked about my dad earlier being Miami? I think they're going to bounce back. I think, I think Cincinnati's going to have a case of the hangovers uh, due to the overtime win and Miami is not facing Brady, so they won't shit their bed. So I think they're going to bounce back and take the win over Cincinnati. Eric, we mentioned your bagel, and there's a specific reason I saved you for last on this particular part. Mm-hmm. First of all was the dun dun da Dramatic reverb. Of the earlier comments about this match in the show. The second part of it is that I agree with you. Yes! This is my prediction as well. I said, Harry, all the talk of Mahomes time, all the talk of how you're going to have to sit in silence. I looked at that game. I ran it by you first. Said, hey, is this cool? You... In your infinite wisdom, said yes. You're not going to regret it. As I said before, Saxonville does not observe Mahomes' time. We've been in big situations. We've been in big games. We've been in big games on the road. The fact that Blake Bortles is actually competent, especially on third down... With this defense, with Jalen Ramsey, knowing this is his put-up-or-shut-up game, the Jaguars go to Arrowhead, take care of business, and as a side bet that I did as part of my Yahoo slate, we're going to grab Mahomes' first interception of the season. Hashtag bonus prop. You you both do realize that if... Mahomes goes off on a tear. You guys aren't going to hear the end of it from Robert, right? I am willing to take that risk. You guys do realize that if Mahomes goes on a tear against them, I'm not coming to work next Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) You realize realize that I'm made by Robert onto the show. (laughs) I'm going to conveniently have some shenanigans planned for Wednesday if that doesn't work. Because I might need them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will be going to BW3s with a buddy of mine on Sunday to watch the Bills and the Titans. I don't know what your guys' plans are. I know Eric will definitely be tuning in to Jacksonville and Kansas City. I'd imagine Brandon and Jason will probably try to watch the Giants and the Panthers. It is a local game for Brandon, actually, so that works out well for you, Brandon. Yeah, I'll I'll probably be I'll be flipping back and forth between both of those games, actually. This, this I'll be watching Red Zone. 
This is the one week where I'm probably going to skip Red Zone for the duration of that game. I just might. I'm going to be dubs to watch the game, so I'll be able to watch all of the games at once. It works out for me. For the chairman of the W2M Network, Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscobing, I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to The Kickoff, Season 2, regular season episode number 5, here on the W2M Network, available online at w2mnet.com. And in addition, you can listen to us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Glacier's still a dick. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next Wednesday with more of The Kickoff on the W2M Network.